0: Welcome to The Workforce Solution, a storytelling series by Health Carousel, designed to provide insights and solutions for the healthcare staffing industry today and tomorrow. Health Carousel recently partnered with the National Rural Health Association to produce a roundtable discussion titled Mind the Gap, Managing Your Workforce Efficiently" that features a powerhouse panel, including Earl Dalton, a healthcare innovator, teacher, and chief nursing officer at Health Carousel. Alan Dial, president and creator of StaffDX, a revolutionary cloud-based workforce solution software, and Michelle Sexton, a 25-year industry veteran with extensive experience in hospital physician practices, home health, and telemedicine. She is currently serving as CEO for hospitals during COVID and is the owner of Mission Healthcare and Mission Physician Partners. So before we dive into solutions today, let's set the stage with the industry's current trends Our panelists have identified the top trends, including the continuation of the silver tsunami, provider burnout and fatigue, maldistribution, and of course, staffing. Throughout this discussion, our panelists will be offering actionable tips and solutions for these challenges. So given these trends, how does the Rural Health C-suite need to change its human capital practices moving forward?
1: The CFO listeners are not going to want to hear this, but I think we need to Uh, look at operationalizing a kind of a hired ahead approach to staffing where um, we have when we have openings in our departments or at the bedside once that opening's created there's time to post there's time to hire there's time to orient but conventional approach to recruiting and hiring in we kind of go to some what we this means different things across different organizations but some core value which is based on projection of volume for the year and so I could never run understaffed I've never had a nurse ever come to me a nurse leader and say I have everything I need it's never going to happen because they are always running behind because of this consistent vacancy rate and our policies and approaches to how we hire in. and then lastly I'd say that we need to uh, partner with experts just especially like rural health where sometimes the scenario is I don't always know what I don't know. So it's hard for me to maybe reflect and challenge on some of these innovative approaches to staffing models.
2: You know, I, I would, I would even add there, uh, another dimension of this, right? So, so as, uh, as Alan points out, right, I think, I think we can add a little rigor and a little science to understanding what the gaps are. Uh, there are ways to measure that and and certainly uh, there's an intelligent approach, I think, along, along the way, Alan ha- handles that and, uh, you know, as I think about sort of health carousel and and uh, marketing, right, uh, and who you're marketing to, um, I, I think that there's time. I have in an interesting conversation the other day around who you're marketing to, right? So who's left in your community, uh, who is who is available and open in your pool to avail of, uh, right? And is that changing? Uh, now that uh, there's exits and there's folks leaving, right? So, uh, like for example, if we were to assume it's mostly a millennial uh, generational group out there, uh, of which you're left to have avail of, um, uh, you know, the conversation I was in recently was around uh, if you looked at your benefits package, it mostly aligns to a Gen X, if not a Boomer generation. It's, a, it's you know, it's about your medical plan, your Delta, and your Furlong. Uh, 401k and dental and all these things and um, and it doesn't really speak to a Gen Zer who's 19 years old and uh, maybe uh, you know getting ready to come out of nursing school and so uh, I think there needs to be along with uh, some understanding of, of how much uh, do I need um, who are those people right and and uh, the detail therein is like would likely serve you well uh, as well.
0: Along with Alan's thoughts on creative problem solving with science and technology and Earl's observations about targeted marketing, Michelle offers a different perspective. Her focus is one on empathy and understanding, and with this focus, aiming to not only treat, but prevent issues like burnout from occurring in the first place. She credits her good friend, hospital CEO and author, Brian Paratus, and his book, Lead with Love, for the inspiration behind her approach. Her final thoughts on the subject being for hospital leaders to be open to new ideas and ways of thinking, as she believes the conventional will not cut it for the future. Now that we have some great ideas and inspiration for innovative change, what are the characteristics of workforce solution patterns, technology partners, that you should work with? When
3: I first started doing some business with Health Carousel, so it was odd to me actually that they had nursing leadership, that they had a chief nursing officer. Nothing gets to Earl. (laughs) Um, But it was, it was kind of new to me. I didn't understand why would they have this nursing, um, chief nursing officer. And then as I started to to get to know Earl and understand health care. So for me, a light came on just like Earl just said, because if they're going to be out there recruiting, they have to be able to know what are what's going on in the lives of the folks that we're trying to recruit it was it was kind of very eye-opening for me um, for me in choosing a partner whether we on the technology side or on the uh, recruiting side of things it's a lot about that relationship uh, about the transparency amongst the group that we can have those hard conversations for example on the locum side of things for hospital administrators there there was a time where we we kind of shuddered to hear that word locums um and so the successful locums um groups for the future are going to be those that think outside of that box that develop a partnership that you may need our services locums for now but we're also going to help you design those recruiting and marketing, um, plans for the, for the future. And give us as, as administrators, that feedback of, you know, what you're doing isn't working. Your packages are not good. Your, um, you know, leadership style is, is not conducive to keeping, um, retaining employees. So we really, it has to be that partnership and not just be vendors anymore. Um, and And that goes in the technology world as well. I no longer will look for just the technology. I want someone who can put the people behind it and help me solve my problems.
0: Michelle's insights around the clinical competency of your potential staffing partner aligns perfectly with Earl's advice on the subject as well. Earl suggests due diligence to really get a look under the hood of the firm you're looking to partner with. To keep it simple, and actionable, here are Earl's four key checkpoints for vetting potential staffing firm partners. One, learn about the firm's true recruiting capability. How many people will specifically be assigned to help your hospital? Two, ask about their marketing strategy. How do they plan to reach selected audiences? Three, back to Michelle's insight. Do they have clinical competency? How important is that to their firm? And four, what is their digital presence and reach? It's incredibly important in today's world to have access to nurses 24 seven. That brings us to our next question. What is your current process for managing your workforce in its entirety? Permanent contingency staff? And is that working? Let's hear from Alan first on this.
1: I'm gonna speak to the big elephant in the room. And and a lot of senior leaders maybe don't appreciate how significant this is. Every department leader in a hospital is by every financial definition a CEO. We don't make money in the border. We don't make money in the border. Right. Um, But they don't have what they need to do the job. And there's no development program. I went to nursing school. I'm a good bedside nurse. I'm a good ACM. I get promoted. I'm a charge nurse. I'm a this. I'm a that before I know it. I'm a chief nursing officer in the boardroom, and, and no one has ever, at best, at best, I had an executive or a leader that took me under their wing and taught me how to a workforce strategy, management, and planning. Right, so that's the foundation of what we're working with right now. Is that clinical leaders are not equipped, they're not prepared for what we're holding them accountable for. And you wonder why anytime we talk about labor management, it feels like a punitive, intimidating discussion with a department director. So that that's the first thing that I see is you got, you got to build a foundation and, and teach them what they don't know. And it's not like I liken it to speaking Spanish. You got to get your reps in. You can't you can't just teach them didactic material or content and expect them to walk out of the room and be experts at it. You have to get reps. So there has to be an operational rhythm for an organization around how you hold accountable. When I say accountable, I don't mean punitive. I mean peer to peer accountability. How am as a leader, senior leader, how am I coaching my staff? How am I posturing them to be successful? Um, do I have adequate touch points with them? Another, another strategy that, I use a lot. I, I, well, I see the, the deficit in the field is that we have insufficient per diem staff. We, we just don't have enough. Right. So we do not take into account and I don't I don't mean to jump too, too deep into the technical end of things, but we don't understand how to construct our departments and what the component of per diem should be, because it is variable cost productivity management. Right. My patient volume a Monday is not a Friday, a Tuesday is not a Saturday. And those plans should be different in the conventional way of approaching labor. And I say all this in the spirit of maximizing the resources that I have, not from a perspective of I need to reduce and I'm trying to uh, make the CFO happy. It is I balance my resources to where the work demand is. And that is the challenge for especially nursing leaders right now. And a big component of that is having the right amount of per diem staff. And what does that recipe look for like in my department? And it's not the same department to department. First, I want to say the silver tsunami, I think, was the catalyst for what you're seeing with clinical leaders and, and resources leaving right now it was not the cause. I think we've been doing it wrong for so long and COVID exposed it and people are just fed up. Right. And, th- and then again, I go back to that. That's why foundationally you have to build your people up and tying Michelle's comment about empathy is we gotta go, We got to meet them where they are and partner with them. And, and that's the, the partnership is extremely important to, 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 to build them up.
0: For Michelle and Mission Group, they decided to eliminate their internal recruitment department altogether. And she finds that their new model, working successfully with staffing firm partners, to be somewhat novel but highly effective for their business. Now let's hear from Earl Dalton on this.
2: You know, and I think this is true, and certainly, you know, I'm in my 25th year of nursing. I think gone are the days of like I'm going to own it all, uh, right? All of the operations are just mine, right? Uh, it just takes strategic partners in many dimensions of your company, right, uh, uh, to to make it work, right? And uh, so whether it's it's parsing out some of the labor, or guess what, uh, healthcare, so we we need you to run your uh, the entirety of our flow pool. Uh, and I'm going to hold you to outcomes in a contract. Uh, right That's just just an example, of course. Uh, but uh, you know, or we're, we're going to open up a surgery center, and I just so I just need to hold you accountable to doing it, right. Uh, uh, but uh, but there's there's clearly a shift uh, which aligns more to other sectors, right? If you look at IT, if you look at engineering, if you look at all of these other industries, uh, healthcare staffing's probably a solid decade uh, behind it in its approach. Mm-hmm um right uh by by you know they like the contractor world it has been big over there for an incredibly long time uh right the credentials those people have to carry uh, right compared to what we're making healthcare people do uh is uh, has moved an incredible amount right based on science, based on research uh but uh but I think if we were being honest with ourselves, right even if I just boil it down to that dimension, uh we're likely doing um around staffing the tradition of what we've always done. Mm-hmm. Um, right? it's, it's, uh, that model, right? Uh, well, that's great if, if, it's, uh, if it's the surgeon with holding a scalpel and the, the, what we've learned around sterile technique and all of those things. Uh, it's not great in business process. There, I think there's an evolution underway. I think there's a revolution underway. I do believe that's changing. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, the concepts of we got to own it all. Um, and uh, and hire each position and review each person, like that's just not, uh, that's just not uh, 2021, right?
0: Next, let's learn how we can approach these issues more scientifically in a rural setting.
1: Urban and rural are not not doing it the right way, the way we've been doing it traditionally either way. So I I think we need to be uh, kind of cerebral about our approaches to people, process and technology, but technology can bridge a lot of those gaps between people and process, right? The needs for technology and workforce management and rural health, the same as urban, but they don't always have the option for maybe larger, more expensive solutions where they don't get attention from those solutions because they just don't get out of bed for them. Maybe it's just, just, they have a lot of overhead and there's just not, it's not as much uh, opportunity for them. So I I, I think there are solutions out there um, that are at the right price point um, for rural health that give their leaders what they need to accomplish their To step through the work um we can be more predictive i I tell my clients all the time because because in healthcare hospitals they want to say well we're different you're different but not as different as you want to think you are you're far more predictive than than you want to believe you are right and um i think technology needs to be to provide that like workload forecasting what what are you going to see for a patient volume based on an algorithm or, you know, stats, you don't need to know the stats, the the system will do it for you. So that we can be put in a position where we're proactive versus always looking in the rearview mirror. I think you need to choose a solution that uh, eliminates the paper mundane administrative tasks associated with being a clinical leader. I mean, as much of that as we can eliminate, again, in the spirit of maximizing our resources, um, that I think that's going to go a long way. I talk to directors all the time to say they spend 10 hours a week in in scheduling. Why? Why? Why do do we need to spend 10 hours a week in scheduling? It's ridiculous. Um, Many times with technology, less is more. One of the challenges in the productivity space is that it is the culmination of inputs from other systems. So H.R., time and attendance, finance, et cetera but those systems in themselves stand alone do not meet the need of a clinical director so what we're really talking about is business intelligence right inputs from multiple systems to create business intelligence to drive my decision making process and for 40 to 60% of a hospital's total operating expense we should be giving this to our, our our leaders right and we need to make sure that we we're choosing a technology that follows the real healthcare process and not just regurgitating data that we're feeding into it the days of reports providing sustained improvement are gone that's reports don't change anything the way that i approach it with with my solution is um, our algorithm evaluates and i'm 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 tap dancing because i don't want to get too technical off the deep end but it evaluates day week variation this is a huge problem in healthcare and that the conventional approach to staffing is that um, I'm held accountable as a leader for productive hours, hours I'm clocked in, in the department working, right? And uh, if I don't have the workload or the patient demand to, to justify having all the resources I have there, then I just, I flex them off. This is a huge dissatisfier because as, as Nurse Allen does not want to take PTO on Tuesday, every Tuesday between three and six o'clock. That's not what I signed up for. I signed up to right. This drives our attrition. So to resolve that, you have got to appreciate and plan for day of week variation because my Monday is not a Friday and my Tuesday is not a Saturday. Right? Those schedules should look different because the patient demand is different. Again, not in not speaking in the context of I need to reduce to get to my hours per patient day and make the CFO happy. I'm talking about preserving employees right and and it takes one to leave attrition drives attrition and it's this vicious black hole i see it all the time and it's because no one is operationalizing around how much we change day to day with our work demand
0: for earl dalton it's all about removing subjectivity and guesswork from the evaluation of your data he believes the process should be to start with an assessment leading to a plan that you then implement and finally evaluate. Sounds pretty straightforward, right? In his opinion, many organizations are receiving assessment data, but then skipping the planning portion and heading straight to implementation, without evaluation. Skipping that essential reconsideration of what worked and what didn't. Without measurement, how can you understand success? Earl poses another important question. Do you know what you know or do you think that you know? Let's wrap with a final question for each of our panelists. What are the most important questions to be asking your own organizations right now?
3: I think for me as a hospital leader and again, doing interim work for hospitals that are struggling before COVID and just playing on what Alan and Earl just said is in this day and age, where COVID threw us all for a loop, is it possible, even of all the years of being in this industry, all the years of being a CEO or COO, is it possible? I know everything. And if it's not possible, which it's not, what am I going to do to surround myself with the team and with my partners who can help me move forward and solve my issues? And that's a real gut check for us in the hospital C-suite. It's a real gut check because the way that our training is and the things that we like to be independent, sometimes by, by habit, we have to be independent. We have to make decisions. But moving into the, the new reality, even just understanding things such as, is it possible that I know every single grant or every single CARES Act funding that could help me pay for uh, uh, you know, products like Allens, or to uh, to cover some staffing that I've had because of COVID. There's no way to understand all of those things. We need to have partners that are calling us up and saying, Hey, did you understand that new CARES Act funding I saw when I was reading last night? That that might cover this particular IT, you know, expenditure that you have. It's it's going to take a village to continue to be
0: able to take care of our patients. Now let's hear from Alan and then Earl.
1: Uh, I promise Michelle and I did not like compare notes, uh, but I I said earlier that COVID has hyperexposed the the vulnerabilities of how we approach workforce strategy, uh, planning and management. And I'm reading every day in Becker's where hospitals are shutting down or being acquired. It's every day and it's multiple organizations. So, What I would propose is that um, the most important question to walk away from this discussion with if you're if you're a senior leader at a hospital is, what are we going to do different tomorrow and the next day? What are we actually going to do different? And, And we need to be asking that question right now. And if I don't know the answer to that question, who am I partnering with to craft the right response for my organization?
2: When I took this question in and thought about it internally, I, I will tell you, I, I was at um, uh, Staffing Industry al- Analysts in uh, Boston recently, and I attended a session on burnout. Um, and we talked a lot about burnout here today. Uh, and this question hit me square in the face. And uh, I, I don't know if I've ever felt more a leader. but the, the guy opened with, right, this guy on stage, um, had, where does your personal team sit for burnout? Have you have you? Was, so we're talking about oh the burnout, right? Oh the burnout is uh, is out there everywhere, right? Uh, but uh, have we been the change we need to seek in the world, right? So how how are you doing inside your own house uh, with your own leaders? Uh, so I immediately came back and engaged uh, our group. We we happen to partner with Quantum, and uh, and I kicked off a whole series of uh, quarterly uh, reviews around burnout for my own folks, right? Uh, our hospital partners re- require of me and of my team more than ever to be on our A game. Um, and uh, I really think to bring that, and um, you gotta have it to give it um, and write uh, all of the pieces. So, um, right, uh, can my team identify burnout in themselves, right? How is, the re- how is your relationship with your mate, your kids, your God, your, uh, right? Or how are you taking care of yourself physically? Can you even identify um, some of the problems are related to burnout yourself. So I hate to sort of take it down that dimension. But, uh, but when I looked at this, I sort of thought internally. Uh, but I would challenge you all, right, uh, beyond what you're reading, oh, the stats, oh, 80% of people are burned out in this and that. How are your people doing, um, right? And, uh, and are you looking uh, in a measurable way, uh, right, um, which totally ties back to the fourth aim in the, you know, in the triple aim that went to the quadruple aim, uh, right, it's all about care for the caregiver, um, and lots of organizations smartly uh, are are taking that on, right, to, to make sure that uh, folks have it in the tank uh, to give it to others. And so uh, that's that's sort of where I'll end it. But that uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll not forget that anytime soon. That uh, that sort of SIA moment was like, Lord, I I'm even asked my own folks, right, for as much time as I spend on this topic. So uh, so that that's my that's that's where I sit.
0: This has been a panel discussion for the National Rural Health Webinar Series titled Minding the Gap, Managing Your Workforce Efficiently," powered by Health Carousel and our partners at NHRA Services Corps.